At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello, welcome to the Arash Markazi Show, presented by the Sporting Tribune. It is Legends of Sports Friday, my favorite day of the week. It should be yours, TGIF, but it is Legends of Sports Friday. It's Andy Bernstein. My friend, how are you doing? Arash, I'm doing great. Always great to see you, pal. I am um, freezing here in Salt Lake City, kind of bummed that my friend Danny Bernstein retired from the All-Star Beat a few years ago. I'm still grinding away out here. But that brings me to your guest this week, and I Mm. love it. Rolando Blackman. So I'll tell you why I love this interview so much. My first memory of the All-Star Game, 1987, a child watching it at the Seattle Kingdom, thinking it was crazy they were playing it at the Kingdom, 35,000. And as you know, Andy, you could just hear the ball bouncing off the hardwood. They they had not figured out all the technology, maybe. But again, the most dramatic All-Star Game I can remember. And just as a kid, again, these games are not really hard played now um Rolando Blackman hitting those two free throws and it's still one of my great I still remember this play to this day four red jerseys a a wave of Eastern Conference uh players trying to block Rolando Blackman uh but again when I heard that you were talking to him this weekend I was like ah perfect uh tell me about that conversation that you guys had well your memory is great man um First of all, the kingdom, the worst place, probably the <laughs> second worst place to ever have an all-star game. Um, I think the first, the worst place was the Astrodome. Oh my gosh. In, in Houston, where Stockton and Malone both won the MVP. But um, it was like late in the afternoon, as I remember, and light was coming in. It was like the weirdest feeling. But um, kingdom, not a great spot. Uh, love Seattle, but, uh, you know, they didn't have um, a big enough arena at that point for the All-Star game. So they had to do it at the Kingdom. And, um, yeah, like you said, it was a very high scoring game. 
came down to this play where uh, Rolando Blackman went to the basket and just got hammered. You know, the refs had to call. (laughs) They had to. You know, and um, the West was down by two. And all every guy in the East was just coming over to talk smack to him, you know, like (laughs) trying to psych him out. And he got up there and he he calmly hit two free throws and then let out this big yell. Yeah. You know, because I'm sure it was very um, cathartic over him. And then it went to overtime. I don't remember who won that game, quite frankly. I, I'm I'm assuming the West won only because Tom Chambers, I remember, won oh, the yeah, MVP. Yeah. So oh, I got it. Right. But right. it was just it was a classic who's who because you had like that perfect moment in time where it was a little bit of the old and a little bit of the the new. So you had Michael Jordan teaming up with Dr. Mm-hmm. J and Larry Bird and yeah. the Magic and Kareem. And so it was a ton of fun. Um, what what do you remember about this weekend in particular? Again, you know, back when you first started, I think that's when I really loved All-Star Weekend because of the slam dunk contest. And as you remember back then, like, who's who dunked in it? You know, it was Jordan. It was Dominique. It was like, I mean, they, it really meant something. And the league is still trying to figure out a way to get the stars involved in that. What do you remember? What, like, what do you, what was your highlight of All-Star? Well, I got to tell you, I don't think I ever told you this, but when I, First started working for the NBA, my first gig ever, first assignment, paid job from the NBA was the 1983 NBA All-Star Game. Not weekend. It was a game on a Sunday afternoon in February (laughs) 1983 at the Forum. Wow. And um, I was like a kid in a candy store. I mean, I was, you know, very nervous, but I was also really thrilled to, to be there and I don't want to put you on the spot, my friend, because you probably know this, but I'm not sure. But what what would fans remember the 83 All-Star Game for and not basketball related? It was the Marvin Gaye National Anthem. The exactly. Of all time. Yeah. See, now you, you are a spot <laughs> because a lot of people don't know that. But it was the most iconic. It was voted, actually, the yeah. most iconic rendition of the national anthem in history and uh, there i am this young photographer out there center court noon on a sunday at the forum and marvin gake steps up to the mic and five and a half minutes later he's still singing and both i remember both lines of players on each free throw line which is bopping in place having a great time the fans got into it if anybody wants to relive that it's on youtube yeah. you should go and, and and google or youtube it and search it and it's amazing Real quick, before we go to the uh, first portion of your conversation, uh, again, we only play a snippet of these. It's so so great. How can uh, people hear the entire conversation? Well, of course, you can uh, find us on any podcast platform. It's Legends of Sport. Our home base is iHeart, but of course, Apple, Spotify, and everywhere else. Um, Also, our YouTube channel, because we're releasing everything now uh, moving forward this season um, on video as well. So Legends of Sport on YouTube. And uh, if anyone wants to check out our social media, please go to our Instagram at Legends of Sport. My photography is at ADB Photo Inc., which I post a lot of stuff from the past and what's going on right now, last night's game and whatever. And our website is a great landing place too, legendsofsport.net. So um yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. I, I love doing this podcast, and I, I love the fact that, that you actually enjoy it too, my friend. Oh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. All right, with that said, let's get now 
to this week's guest on Legends of Sport Friday. It is Rolando Blackman. Well, I want to welcome Rolando Blackman to the Legends of Sport podcast. Um, a guy that I've known a long, long time. You know, I say that a lot on this podcast, but um, truly, I've known you back to the beginning of my career, man. <laughs> How you doing? I'm well. I'm enjoying the time, enjoying the work, enjoying all the good things that are still happening. So I'm, uh, I'm, in, I'm in a good phase of life. That's awesome. Yeah, I saw you uh, just recently. The Mavs were out to play in L.A. a couple of games. You were with them, and uh, we met up at Jimmy Goldstein's iconic house. Um, the Mavs had a big event up there. What, what's your role with the Mavs these days, man? What I get a chance to do is I get a chance to be vice president of corporate relations. I also help out in the uh, diversity and inclusion. I'm an ambassador mm -hmm. of diversity and inclusion with the Mavs. And I get a chance to help out in many different ways. Uh, Andrew, you know, mm -hmm. community development, having the opportunity to be a part of what they do in that way. And, and, I, have a, and I have a great time in, uh, in just being a part of what the organization is, is doing corporate-wise. Yeah, that's awesome. My, my wife is uh, involved in uh, inclusion, diversity and inclusion at Cal State LA. I don't know if you and I even talked about about that but um near and dear to our heart over here she's also been the title nine coordinator so I, I i've been deeply entrenched in that um since we've been married um so ro you and i have have some stuff in common man i mean we're both brooklyn guys although you that's came by way of panama when you were eight i know that's right you went to, right. you went to grady i went to midwood right there you go yeah there you go all those things are those things are deep as far as all that's concerned. Cause I was, I was supposed to go to Midwood and that kind of a stuff too. But, uh -huh. but my mom want me to, my mom didn't want me to go there. Cause there was some fighting going on in the lunchroom. <laughs> he got punched up. Yeah. I ended up taking to go to Grady. <laughs> yeah. But from what I understand, I mean, you were kind of in East Flatbush, Bedford Stuyvesant. I mean, back in those days, I mean, it's a little better now, but that was some, some tough, that's a tough neighborhood. Plus you came in from Panama eight years old, didn't speak English, right? It was not your native language, obviously. Talk about, let's, let's talk about that. What was that, you know, transition like for you? You know, something it was, uh, it was really, really tough as far as all of that's concerned too, because mm -hmm. I remember uh, at the age of five, I remember my grandmother being so excited. She was like, you're going to go to the United States, U.S. And I was trying to understand what she was talking about. But mm -hmm. uh, at the age of eight, three years later, this red piece of paper, Andrew, came mm -hmm. in with the uh, student visa on it and had the opportunity to come to the United States. And I'm mm -hmm. there I am on a Braniff International flight, a big old orange plane coming into JFK. And my family's there waiting for me. And there was uh, something something new because all, mm -hmm. all I knew was all the doggone beautiful trees with fruit on it disappeared, Andrew. Oh. And all I saw was a bunch of concrete with, yeah. with trees growing out of a little hole standing yeah. in the middle of the block. And it was it was just... A tumultuous time. All these people in the street all the time, mm -hmm. walking up and down a, a, a Sterling. It was Sterling Place, Sterling Place near Eastern Parkway. Yeah, that's where we were over there too. A prospect in Sterling. Sure. Place. So I, yeah, I know. When it. I first came, in, it was <laughs> it was it, it was just a, a different experience as far as that's concerned. Trying to get to school because I had to go to remedial reading classes sure. for three years. Wow. In the morning, so I was school at six o'clock while school started at nine, and then after that. But those three years. Uh, was special though simply because the school system, Andrew, the school system in New York mm -hmm. was ready for was ready to help me, giving yeah. me all the English language that I needed. Mm -hmm. The boy went to the store. Why is the T bigger over here at the end? And if I start another <laughs> sentence, I gotta put this thing down there, then I keep the sentence going and there was a point at the end, a dot at the end. Okay, that's the end. So 
I was learning incrementally right from the beginning, mm-hmm. but uh, but the, but the school system was ready for me though. It truly, truly helped me to get off on on the right track. Yeah, amazing. And were, were hoops? Was that like um, you know a safe place for you? Was it something that that you started? Because I know that it was a rough go for you, seventh, eighth, ninth grade. You know, you know, make your team and all that. Hoops and all that stuff. I played soccer from when I was four years old. Yeah, four years into the United States, four. And then when I got here, I was eight years old. I was kicking the ball around pretty good. I could kick the ball well and handle it with both feet. Mm-hmm. But next thing you know, I'm in the schoolyard. Andrew, I'm in the schoolyard, and no one plays soccer yeah. in New York City. No, so I'm, I know I'm, that. I'm yeah. by myself. Yeah. Two years, I'm by myself kicking the ball on one side of the park, and all the kids over there are playing this playing this game that they like. They were using their hands and yeah. they were like moving the ball up and down and then they were like tossing it at this little basket this little basket they were tossing it so i'm thinking okay this and that and the other but at the at the end of two years andrew i was tired i was like man i was always by myself so hmm. let me go over here and try to make some friends so I, I go over there andrew i go over there and i'm tall i get picked in the game like oh man he get picked in the game the first time i touch the ball andrew yeah i run with the ball to an open spot i don't even do about run to the ball they're like traveling what are you doing tra- traveling so yeah. i didn't know what they were talking about i didn't know what they were talking about next thing you know i'm playing defense and these guys are running all over the place i get the ball again andrew uh-huh. i travel again i run to an open spot like, i'm in new york they're like yo you oh man you suck oh you can't oh you can't who oh and then of course new york andrew yeah. stop. Give, me, give me that ball yeah and push me off the court i was sitting there andrew for the next three hours watching these guys play with my ball mm. with my ball playing with this with the game and I did I didn't understand anything about it so at the end of the day I was in the park by myself still playing this game when they weren't there trying to understand until I until I got a godsend uh from from Ted Gustus though mm-hmm. who saw me that one Sunday at Ditmas Park in yeah. New York yeah. saw me and asked me if I wanted to play and that was the the biggest day of my life when he put me on one of those six six courts he had with the kids in the mm-hmm. neighborhood and I couldn't play that well, so I was with kids who couldn't play that well, and that's when it incrementally started, just to yeah. get a chance to understand what shooting is, what moving is, and Ted was there every morning. All us kids were there every morning. We were getting getting ourselves together till till we got a chance to go to school and have the opportunity to be a part of that kind of stuff. So yeah. Ted, Gustus, Ted Gustus was uh, the, just the godsend for us to being able to get this stuff going, got me started, and uh, we're still very very close uh, friends today yeah well and i want to talk about that about mentorship and stuff but what do you what do you think it was about you that that attracted ted i mean there's a lot of kids on the schoolyard probably kids who were playing be- basketball better than you were at that point what, yeah. what, what was it i think the most thing for for me it was just the uh i think it was, for me it was just the honesty i mean i came over there on uh-huh. that sunday morning and I, w- I didn't even come into where they were playing. I just was behind the fence. I had my hands in, in, the, in the grooves, and I was looking in. Yeah. And and next thing you know, about a half hour later, Ted comes over and walks over and looks me straight in the face from behind the fence like, hey, you want to play basketball? You live in the neighborhood? You want to play? Yeah. And I could remember the chills going through, chills going through my arm. And I said, yeah, yeah, I, I want to play. Yeah. And he brought me down and put me on basket number six. There were six baskets. The best players were playing on one, and I mm-hmm. started on six and incrementally year after year after year I, w- I would get better and better and better simply because i would listen to every doggone thing he said and, amazing uh, yeah he was echoing a lot of the stuff that my mother was saying on the social side and teaching me some great uh, great moves and thought process on the basketball side because he was still a player too he could still play hoop crossover shoot so it yeah. was something live and something that i wanted that i that i deeply invested in for sure all in mm. to being able to 
game of basketball. Amazing, man. I mean, it, it, what a great story of, of, a, of a teacher or a coach or somebody who just saw a young fellow who, you know, was a little lost, who, who needed some direction. I mean, yep. man, we need more of that in, in our world. Yeah, um, we do. Yeah, talk about Ditmas Park, though, because... You know, Ditmas Park is famous, like Rucker Park, right? So Ditmas Park is no longer Ditmas Park. It's Rolando Blackman Park. I mean, for you to be, to go from the bottom to literally having the park named for you, man. I mean, how, it's a, what does that feel a, like? No, I mean, it's extremely, it's extremely special. And, and, you know, I feel a huge responsibility. You know, we're, we're, mm-hmm. we're organizing, we're organizing some tournaments and different opportunities right now to be yeah. able to to being able to, to get down into that park as far as that's concerned in that area. But mm-hmm. it's a special time simply because it's two blocks away from, from where I used to live on uh, 94th street, uh, 645 East 94th street, <laughs> right across from, right across from PS 233, where sure. you could see through the window where, where the park was and you could, you could see that, but two blocks away, I had a chance to come that Sunday, that faithful Sunday, which was wonderful mm. and learn about this thing and, and really had the opportunity to, uh, to grow. And I want other kids to, to do the same, have a yeah. chance at growing, understanding, and really, really though, Andrew, just have a chance. Like Ted taught to me, having an understanding of, of what the social requirement is. Mm-hmm. It's not just about playing basketball, but it's about it's about the social piece of the puzzle too. That that makes it good for everyone. Yeah, you know, reading your story, and, and you know, I've known you, but I, I until I, you know, we sit down with my producer Eugenia, and we really delve into the person's history and biography. I mean, there's stuff I didn't know about you. Obviously, I mean, not only. You know, you know, Kobe talked about when his dad went to Italy, he was eight years old and, uh, uh, you know, he had to be, immerse himself in that culture and the Italian culture. And then he had to come back, you know, being almost a native Italian speaker and, and start speaking English again, in, you know, in middle school. Um, your situation, you know, go from Panama to basically the jungles of New York. I mean, there's no other way to look at it. In, you know, Bed-Stuy in those days was, was a tough area. And then you go to Kansas State. I mean, I'm thinking, I mean, it's literally like going to Mars from Brooklyn, right? I mean, to go to Kansas. <laughs> so, so I mean, what was that transition like for you? No, it was a great, it was a great feeling simply because you have to understand and know that, uh, you know, I come from a, a, a Spanish Caribbean, Caribbean parent background. So right. we were always trying to be covered as far as that's concerned, family mm-hmm running around with people who care and listening mm-hmm. to people who care about you and those kind of things. So in a covered situation in that tough environment, yeah. but the idea on the K state was something very, very special because I'd gone to Syracuse first with Jim Bayheim and mm-hmm. Rick Patino running me around all over the place, that kind of a thing. And then I went to centenary, uh-huh. but then centenary college independent schedule. But when I got to K state, it was fantastic simply because you could feel the, the people were were were, were real. They mm-hmm. were they, they were honest. They were genuine in what was going on. And Coach Hartman, I knew that he knew how to help me become a player because mm-hmm. Coach Jack Hartman coached the great Walt Frazier mm-hmm. at Southern Illinois, the Salukis. He was Walt Frazier's coach in college. So at the end of the day, we had a great All-American there by the name of Mike Evans, mm-hmm. who was playing basketball at that time, and he was a senior. Yeah. And I knew that I had a chance to do some things. So going to school there, was something very special because on that afternoon when I was there and you go out there on your own, it was people talking to you, saying stuff and everything. Didn't even know who you were, but really cared about this person and understood what was going on. And uh, I, I felt I felt the warmth and the care. Yeah. And it helped me with that. Plus, Coach Hartman was coached a great, great player before. So mm-hmm. I knew he knew how to how to get uh, someone there when, when, when he put his head to it. And he did. Yeah. Did you feel your game was a little bit 
like Walt Frazier's game? I mean, I didn't really see Walt Frazier play before my time, but I grew up in New York. I went to some Knicks games. Um, he was a, little, a lot flashier than you, but um, as fearless as a guard. I mean, and a great scorer like you were, and a great passer too. Yeah, yeah, he got to learn. I wasn't like Walt Frazier on the defensive end because Walt was a super, super defensive ace mm, in being fields mm, mm, and car mm. the ball. I was the opposite of that too. I was the other side with my man Earl Monroe. You know that he played with the next right, right. seventy-two championship teams. As far as that's concerned, yeah. I could score the ball one-on-one, shoot and pop. Yeah. Making sure it moving all over the place. That uh, mm. it's uh, it, it was it was a special time to being able to learn how to play the game in that way. And this used a superior skill that was better than a, 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 quite a bit of the country in, in putting that ball in the hole. And those things were very very special. But I mm. learned a great deal at school. And and like anything else too, you know, I got I, I went to class actually. I, I, I can tell you, I, I went to class. So yeah, I got you my, got your I got, degree, right? So you I got my degree. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a college graduate, and mm-hmm. I really had the opportunity to do both. To really truly be a student athlete and uh it was yeah. something very special for me in that that, that way that's mm-hmm. so interesting man so you were selected for the 1980 olympic team of course the u.s didn't participate I, i've talked at length with with probably our good friend nancy lieberman who had the same experience i mean you know going for the team getting selected for the team and then the disappointment of not going i mean, what do you remember that moment when when you found out a that you made the team but b that you that you just couldn't compete in the olympics uh, Andrew, listen, it continues to be a hole in my heart mm. and pain. Mm-hmm. It, 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 won't, it won't ever go away. Every mm. every time I every time I see a procession start in an Olympic or mm-hmm. a piece of that puzzle where the whole team is walking around with the person with the flag leading the leading the team, yeah. my heart heart aches every single time. Simply because I remember going up to to Kentucky. I remember being in Rupp Arena. I remember being there with the eighty best players in all the country. All right, that is the first part of our conversation with Rolando Blackman right here on Legends of Sport Friday on the Arash Markazi show. Uh again, one of the best all time players, one of the most iconic moments during the all-star game uh, and he's got some great stories and we'll hear some more when we come back right here on legends of sport Friday on the Arash Markazi show. When we come back on the mightier 1090 in Southern California, the fan in Las Vegas and the Hawaii sports radio network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi show on the mightier 1090 ESPN radio. nothing more valuable it's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment we celebrate living large in the now in a city where time disappears we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever we go big we go all night and here everyone is invited so get loose and get loud this is circa you'll have the time of your life This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune. It is Legends of Sport Friday and it is Andy Bernstein. This week's guest, Rolando Blackman, one of my all-time favorites. Uh, Just had a, a remarkable career that's really doesn't get the credit it deserves or really when you when you talk about from let's just say like 1984 to 1990 one of the best players uh, i felt in the league um you touched on it 
first assignment for the NBA 1983 uh, All-Star Game, which leads me to this question. There's a lot of young photographers out there, Andy, who are going to be watching the All-Star Game. And again, we talked about it. This is a hectic weekend. You've now kind of passed the torch on to these younger uh, photographers who are excited to be here. What advice, and when I say what advice, you, you are actually going to be doing something for a lot of young photographers out there or people who want to shoot. Uh, tell us about the workshop that, that you have. Yeah, thanks, Arash. Yeah, I look, I love doing All-Star Weekends. It just became very physically difficult for me. Um, it's a, it's a nonstop you know, four or five straight days. And, uh, you know, there's, there's some great young photographers working for the NBA that, that really deserve a shot at, at getting, you know, into the, into the big seat there on the court. And I'm happy to pass that along and, and follow my friends, you know, on social media as they're doing their thing this weekend. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to be launching a workshop, um, in June. Uh, it's called Beyond the Lens and people can find it beyond the lens dot live. And it's a 12-part workshop. It's kind of a master class and kind of isn't. Um, you know, master classes are kind of prepackaged video. And, um, you know, you can't interact with the person teaching the master class. This is going to be an interactive live 12-session class that um, is not really a how-to shoot pictures per se, but it's all about business. It's all about longevity in a career, establishing loyalty and trust with a client across the board. You don't have to be a photographer. It can be in any field that you are interested in. Although photography, of course, my wheelhouse, and I'm happy to share a lot of stories, a lot of behind the scenes moments, the making of the Mamba mentality with Kobe, what I learned from him. And we're going to really be drilling into the pillars of the Mamba mentality and how you can bring that into your life and into your workplace. Um, so I hope people can check it out again. It's um, beyond the lens live. And uh, hopefully, you know, I'll see some folks who are listening to you today. Um, we'll see them out in the workshop. Another uh, memory of Rolando Blackman as a Lakers fan, that 1988 run to the uh, championship was not as easy. Yes, they won back to back. Yes, Pat said, you know, we guarantee it or that, that like he guaranteed <laughs> it. As you know, the Lakers had three consecutive seven game series. Talk about those that the Dallas team again, they didn't get to the finals. They didn't win. But Rolando Blackman played on some pretty good teams. Oh, absolutely. That Mavs squad from that 80s era, that sort of mid to late 80s, was, they, they could go up against anybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, you remember Rolando Blackman, Mark Aguirre, mm -hmm. Roy Tarpley, Brad Davis, Derek Harper. I mean, they had that was a squad that um, had to be dealt with. And um, Lakers had their hands full every single time they played them. Um, they were a hard-nosed group. They, they played a, a brand of, of maybe sort of Eastern Conference ball a little bit. You know, they were pretty physical, um, but with a lot of talent. And Rolando Blackman kind of led the way. Um, you know, he's an amazing guy. I mean, he's the first and only Panamanian descent player um, to have played in the NBA. And he has his number retired uh, by the Mavs, and rightly so. Was traded then to the Knicks, of course, um, a little later in his career. Um, you know, New Yorker like me, and uh, yeah. we just had a fabulous conversation. It was just so great. But I, I, I want to say one quick thing, Arash. One of the um, 
catalyst for creating legends of sport happened because of the Dallas Mavs of the 80s. I'll tell you really quickly. Yeah. We had an all-star game down in Dallas a number of years ago. And um, <clears throat> my boss at the NBA said, hey, you know, go over to the convention center. There's going to be a bunch of the Mavs players from the 80s doing a roundtable thing. And, um, you know, get a few pictures behind the scenes and all that. I walk from the hotel to the convention center. As I'm approaching it, there's a line around the block, down the street, and around the corner of Mavs fans in the cold, by the way. Yeah. Super cold weekend. And almost every person, you know, dad, grandpa, kid, was wearing a jersey from that era. Wow. Right? And then I get into the venue and go backstage and all the guys, they, you know, some of those guys hadn't seen each other in a while. And they're just whooping it up, having a great time being together. Then I'm thinking, you know, God bless these guys. They were wonderful, but they never won a championship. Oh. You know, but look at the love that the city has. Look at the love that they have for each other. <clears throat> so the the whole kind of light bulb about creating a platform that celebrates legendary players, legendary teens, moments, cities, venues, what have you. Um, that really took shape that weekend. So I, I have to thank Ro, Rolando Blackman and all his buddies, you know, for kind of being the catalyst for that. I love that. I did not know that. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the, so those, the two things I take away from, from that weekend, that and it was freezing cold and oh, snowy. Ice storm. <laughs> exactly, exactly right. Yeah. All right. With that said, let's now go to the second part of Legends of Sport for Friday. It's Andy Bernstein with Rolando Blackman. Again, you got to have a strong mentality to mm -hmm. play in New York and to really put yourself on the, on the groove. So yeah. it, was, it was great the first year. The second year was very, very tough as far as that's concerned, not going through surgery and not being able to play and mm -hmm. all of that stuff. But it was fun seeing my family, seeing friends, seeing the people and, uh, yeah. and getting in that juice in, in, the, in the big New York City, which was good. Yeah, and that was a hell of a finals in 94 against Houston. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, that, no went doubt. that went to seven games. I mean, you, you guys were right there, man. <laughs> right there. Right there and the people play the game, too. It's just it's just a matter of sport uh, yeah. and being able sure. to be clicking at the right time. Andrew, yeah. got to click at the right time. No, sure. I know. And the stars weren't quite aligned. I guess they were more aligned for Akeem and, and the Rockets and Rudy T and everybody. But, yeah, I get you. Hey, Ro, we, we got to talk about about one of the, my greatest moments, honestly. Um, you know, I've covered 38 All-Star weekends. Truly one of my top three All-Star moments um, had to be the 97 game in, in the Kingdom, right? First of all, the Kingdom as a place to play basketball sucked. I mean, we have to, you know, we just got to go there. With, I mean, for me I to... I think that was like 87, Andrew, 87. Oh, shit. Us. Did I say 97? Yes, 87. 87, 87 for... 87, 97, forget about it. 87 in the kingdom. But anyway... To play basketball at that place was terrible. First of all, you're on the free throw line. You got to hit two shots to send the game to overtime. There had to be like, what, 30,000 people there or something screaming yeah, was, at you? Probably the other team is screaming at you. And the pressure yeah. you were under, even though it's an all-star game, you know, and you and I talked about this when we were together recently. Describe that moment that you're, you know, you're really under this really terrible spotlight at that point because the game doesn't quote unquote count but you got to make those free throws to go to overtime all of that stuff no andrew all of that stuff counts simply because you're amongst your peers yeah it's a 
All-Star Game. And yeah. it's, of course, the world is watching, not just here in the United States. The whole world is watching the, the All-Star Game, and you're supposed to be a star amongst stars and being able to put that together. Yeah. But I had had that role before. I had that role with the, with the Mavs and being able to take last-second shots, a go-to guy, yeah. having the opportunity to have the mentality to be able to do that. But I'm sure. telling you, yeah. when you when that when that when that uh, foul occurred and I'm walking up to that free throw line and getting myself ready as you can if everybody looks back you can see rub my fingers get it wet yeah. put myself in the proper and as soon as I turn around here comes Isaiah talking <laughs> trash cussing going off trying to trying to break my concentration trying to him and Magic are over here on my on my on my right side it, it, I'm telling you they're making they're having fun like hell over here <laughs> while my life is on the line yeah my life. Line, these guys over here, you're, you can't play you on magic. <laughs> but 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 it's fun though. I mean, at yeah. the end of the day, at the end of the day, I make the first free throw, just bounce off the front rim, put the ball in, it goes in. Then I have the distance now. Uh -huh. And here comes Isaiah again, oh making God. all kind of noise going off. And I put myself in a place where I was trying to concentrate. But 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 Andrew, I mm. look to my left, mm. and there's Bird, there's Jordan, yeah. and there's uh Dr. J. Dr. J. Did the broken <laughs> Dr. J was like, and in my mind, I was like, okay, I had to get it together. Because even for me, I was saying, damn, even Dr. <laughs> J is talking trash. I was like, oh my So I guess it Dr. did count. Yeah, I, I, I'm wrong about that. It definitely counted. <laughs> oh, Andrew, I just went back up there. I had the distance. That's hilarious. And, and your body starts to feel funny. So override <laughs> mind, just tell yourself confidence, baby, confidence. Yeah. Confidence, baby, confidence, confidence, baby, confidence, confidence. And that's all I was doing, <laughs> going up and putting the ball. And at the end, I just yelled out, confidence, baby, confidence. <laughs> and the ball went straight on through. Boom, I turned around and enjoyed some of the greatest feeling ever, ever mm -hmm. to go over there and get high five from James Worthy, all, sure. all Davis, the Kareem. Everybody was just giving me five all over the place. And it was a special special moments in in, uh, in my career no I, I, and i remember when you let out that scream after that second one right uh, i hope i can find that picture because we're going to post it did did the west go on to win that game i don't even remember yeah okay yeah went to overtime i scored the first basket out of the overtime and then we went on to to win that basketball game it yeah. was it was a tremendous time i i enjoyed that many many times every time i look at the tape i remember it and i'm happy to have to have helped uh, us to hit those free throws because I got to what twenty nine points that game yeah and uh, shot the ball well and everything so it was it was it was really special special all star game oh that's that's such a great memory a great memory for me you know so Ro you the, you were the first Panamanian born player in the NBA um, is that still the case I mean I don't remember any other Panamanian born players but maybe I'm wrong. Not to not to actually come in and play the game in in the uh, NBA yeah uh, we've um some people who have, who have who have been to through training camps and different mm -hmm. situations all the way around so it's been it's been a it's been a, a, a it's been a, a, a can i call it a drought can I call <laughs> yeah maybe a drought but but i've covered i've covered the panamanian team um various times for usa basketball um olympics and qualifying tournaments and you guys you know they always put up a pretty good battle right i don't remember them having like big guys but i remember them being very quick and disciplined fundamentally you know sound um so yeah but you're still still the only one huh all these years they have some great players like like uh, uh ruben ruben garces Ruben Garces uh, uh -huh. uh, was one 
remembered very, very well in playing the game of basketball, coming mm-hmm. through the all the ranks. And uh, right now they have a young kid uh, that I'm watching also too, and that, that plays for the Milwaukee the, the Milwaukee team. They're uh-huh. uh, they're. They're uh, they're 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 G League team. Uh, uh, huh. Iverson Molinar is uh, Iverson Molinar right now from Panama is playing. His first there, name is Iverson. Iverson is <laughs> okay. his first name. It's Iverson is small guard. Iverson Molinar. He's, he's out there playing. I'm watching him. I'm watching him play. And uh, I have yeah. yet to talk to him, though to give him some advice and some thought process on what I see in his game. Yeah. But the important factor is that there's another. You know, they, they keep knocking at the door. Yeah. The idea. Is to come up with the full full package of skills right. that allow you to come in and uh, and help a team win because yeah. that's what it's all about. Mm. That's what do, it's all about can you help yeah. win. So, do you travel down to Panama every once in a while? I mean, you, yeah. you must be I'm like there. you know, big hero I, down there, right? I go down there about twice a year, definitely. Yeah. So, I have friends and people all over the place. It's a uh, it's a it's a wonderful thing to go into mm. uh, you know country you've come from and having the opportunity to 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 really grow from. And yeah. my family here, I have my all my father's side. His sisters and everybody's down there. I got friends there. Mm-hmm. My, my mother's side family is here, mm-hmm. here in New York City, and in in uh, in in right right here in Dallas, Texas, also too. So mm. it's a it's a big deal to go back into 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 as they say, La Tierra Natal de Panama. Yeah. So I go back and and really have an opportunity to to, to engage. I'm, yeah. I'm hoping to do a lot more in the next uh, few next few months also too to get some different programs started yeah well you know you you do so much off the court and we talked earlier about mentorship and how important that was in your life you know people early in your life who really meant a lot to you and, and kind of pointed you in the right direction and i know how how many things you're involved in um i think you and i were at basketball without borders in africa together a few years ago that was an unbelievable experience right do you want to talk about any of the uh initiatives and or boards that you're on and and you know what you guys are what you're doing in the community or you know to better education throughout the world i think i think what's important for me is that people don't a lot of things people don't know i'm i'm a un I'm a I'm a I'm a UN ambassador to the Office of Drugs and Crime, mm-hmm. uh, human trafficking, child soldiering, mm-hmm. uh, things that I do on behalf of the United Nations, and in, in having an opportunity to, to to being able to help and set social format, to being able to make sure that people who are from other countries coming to one country, making sure that they have an opportunity to have a, a viable life, an opportunity to move forward in, in in what they're doing, and an opportunity to help their families move forward, not only ingratiate or put themselves in, in the proper mode, mm-hmm. but also to, uh, to be able to get the proper wages and having the opportunity to do those types of things. Plus, it's, it's the other types, too. I go all over the place with child soldiering and having the opportunity to get some things done with, with, with kids who are 10, 11, 12 years old, carrying guns, mm. work, working armies and those types of things, which should never, never happen. Mm. Uh, but uh, mm. you, you get those types of things going on sometimes. And, uh, you know, you have different mandates that we exercise to being able to get those kids back to their families and, and really have programs to being able to educate them and move forward. Mm. Here in Dallas and, and throughout, I get a chance to go through many, many school systems, many school formats, and really just expand upon the kids that there is a requirement of advancement. Mm. I think I think if, if everybody's in the neighborhood and kids are having fun and they're growing up, and, and that's not a problem. The important factor is that they're they have to be molded into understanding that there is a requirement for right. for for dress, for language, for the opportunity for presentation, and mm-hmm. and 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 bring yourself into a viable place by being viable, mm-hmm. by being viable, having the executable pieces that will allow you to move and have a opportunity for a job, or if you're an entrepreneurial type, super. Mm-hmm. But to being able to explain what you want to do, 
having the opportunity to pull in the relationships and then really, really have a chance to advance yourself and move yourself forward. But there is a requirement of advancement for mm. you to being able to get that done. And that's what I expand upon all the time. Not only young little black boys mm -hmm. and, and, and Spanish boys and, and poor white boys, but it's just all the kids who are in underprivileged neighborhood, which is, a, which is always a diversity in there. There's mm -hmm. always a modicum of people who are there and don't, don't get the opportunity to do so, mm. but just to be able to understand, they understand what they have to do to come out of it. And also speaking with different school boards to, to being able to implement different things that will help these kids move forward. You can't say, you want this, you want that, you want this from a school board. A school board also has to implement those things that will advance the child to move forward. Mm -hmm. We already know the future, Andrew. Mm -hmm. we, we know the future. We know what's happening here. This backtrack here, mm -hmm. you have to be able to teach that to the kid so the kid can now flourish in the understanding of what the next years are about mm -hmm. before they're 18, Andrew. Because mm. once the kid gets to be 18 mm -hmm. and he comes out into the world, if you're not prepared, Andrew, mm. it's a rude, rude awakening and then you're put to the side. And then, of course, now I, would, I, I wouldn't even talk to you about the prison system. So just leave mm. that alone yeah. and just understand that fulfill the requirement, fulfill the opportunity. And that's on the child's part portion to mm -hmm. be able to understand and, 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 and consume and the school portion to being able to implement and mm. give the kid the understanding of what the future is like. So that's what I work on all the time. Because mm. I had that. Yeah. And I want them to understand also, too, that that there's a, a a level of information that needs to be had in mm -hmm. order to, to put you on the right track. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like, you know, you're just paying it forward, man. I mean, and you're doing it with a lot of gratitude, but being of service and and, and very humbly, yeah. by the way. I mean, Ted, yes. Ted Gustus was such a force in your life. Um, yes. He took you under his wing. And then, of course, in, in college, you had uh, Coach Jack Hartman. And, you know, it's wonderful, Ro, to see that you, you know, did that you start, remember where you came from you know a lot of guys don't remember that <laughs> um we've we've known a lot of those throughout our careers but for you know that's always impressed me with you is your humility but also your willing to give back and uh and and you're with a great organization by the way who really cares about what's going on in the community so all the time yeah mm -hmm. yeah all the time. well keep Anytime it going my friend it's so it's so great to connect with you fellow brooklynite i'll talk to anybody from brooklyn any day any time man but <laughs> please please i mean i mean i gotta get down there and, i gotta get down there and share a condition with you with a with a with a with, a, with a cup of milk and stuff like dude same say my my breakfast in the morning going to school <laughs> Kanish on the street, right? Yeah, people don't know that, right? But yeah, for sure. But <laughs> after that, black and white cookie, man, and you uh, are set. You are, you, you are set. Bro, so. you're speaking my language. You're getting, you're getting me like homesick for home here. So, but listen, it's so so good to see you. So good to Thank see you. I, I think I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Maybe I think the Mavs are coming back or something. But um, yeah. hopefully, I'll see you along the way. And uh, if not, keep up the great work that you're doing, man. And I, I'm so so grateful that you took the time today to be on the podcast. You're glad to be with you and anything else to hope to see you very, very soon and get a chance to talk some more. Thank you very much, Andrew. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Ro. Take care, man. Take care. Well, super fun conversation with NBA legend Rolando Blackman. His story and journey is really interesting and inspiring to me. Everything he's doing off the court as well. I, I really hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. All right, that's all the time we have for Legends of Sport Friday this week on the Arash Markazi show. Uh, again, what an amazing guest. Rolando Blackman talking about his career, talking about 
the all-star game all-star weekend again i'm i'm out here in salt lake for that so um stay tuned we got some more amazing guests coming up in these next couple of weeks on legends of sport friday but with that said that's all the time we have for today until next week this is arash markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Shed tears as we bury brothers close to heart. What was a friend, now a ghost in the dark. Hard part about it, brother. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.